0: God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this uh, Trinity Sunday, or Sunday of the Trinity, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, Pentecost Sunday, last Sunday, was so much easier. We had a, a Bible reading from Acts that spoke directly about the Holy Spirit that I could, you know, expound for you, magnify for you. Christmas Day is easy. You know, I can choose between Matthew and Luke and show you the birth of Jesus, and we could talk about that all day. But Trinity Sunday, what verses do I have from the Bible that specifically say God is three persons in one? I don't. That's the thing. You know, there isn't a scene or story in the Bible that explains Him, explains them to you. You know there okay there's the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River where all three are there, but neither God nor the witnesses there say, "Look the Trinity, or God doesn't say, "I am the Triune God." so today is kind of perplexing, really It's hard to know what to say if I'm expected to come up here and explain to you how or why our God is three persons yet one God, then I need to go back to school. On the other hand, I don't think that would help either because even if Martin Luther was, were still teaching, he would say, all who've wanted to comprehend the Trinity have broken their neck in the effort. Well, I don't want a broken neck. Neither do you. So what can we do? Well, How about we just look at some pictures, huh? That's always fun. You know, maybe we need to uh, uh, even uh, dim the lights in here. Lowell, can you turn off the the main lights there? Well, that's pretty strange looking, isn't it? Uh, This one's from Italy, 15th century. If you're familiar with Hindu art... Kind of looks like that style because some of the Hindu gods have multiple faces. But the difference here is this Christian artist is trying to convey to us the oneness of God. He's not trying to say, hey, here's what God looks like. He's trying to say, here's what God is three persons in one. Don't ask me which one is supposed to be who. In fact, I'll bet the artist is attempting on a deeper level to communicate the fact that they're co-equal. That's why they look the same. The father is not better or more important than the son, as we confessed in the Athanasian Creed. And the spirit is not lesser than the other two, and so forth. What this painting doesn't show is the uniqueness of the three. This one does, however, Can you tell who is who here? Yeah, it's a little easier, isn't it? So the man on the left. Well, let's see, your left. uh, (laughs) The man on your right. That would be God the Father, right? The the one holding the globe and the stick, the orb and the scepter. You know, it's a symbol of uh, a king, royalty. Yeah, and then the... The man on the left is Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of the Greek alphabet. That's what he said he was. He was the, said he's the beginning and the end. And then the Spirit there, the Holy Spirit. There's some angels around them fluttering about. But then the Holy Spirit's there in the center, the dove. And I don't know if you can tell the detail on this picture, but there's little tongues of fire emanating from the dove and also water. So this artist is really trying to cram everything into one visual here. Here's another triune God with three faces. And here's another of them separately, sitting together at a table. This is a fresco on plaster. Looks like it's gotten damaged uh, or started to deteriorate, but you still get the visual. They're making the sign of what? What they're hands. The Trinity maybe also uh, in the Christian church is also a sign for peace. So, peace be with you perhaps. And they've got cups in front of them on the table meaning communion, yeah. There's bread, I'm assuming there's probably wine in the cups too. They're in communion with one another. They are one. I think the artist may be trying to say that He's trying to say to us, because we commune with God, we are one with Him, and He is one with us. We could look at hundreds of these easily. I mean, just type in Trinity Art in Google. And what do you think these human attempts at portraying the Trinity, our God, what do they do to you? Do they move you in any way? Are they just interesting to look at, nothing more? Do they help you wrap your mind around the concept of one God in three persons? I want to settle on this one and leave it here. This is Andrei Rublev's icon of the Trinity from 1410. He was of the Orthodox Christian faith in Russia. And artists back then, well, a lot like they do today, they get their inspiration from someone else's art. So this is based on an earlier icon called the Hospitality of Abraham. But for his illustration, Rublev left Abraham and Sarah out of the picture and focused just on the Trinity. Now I know to us they look like women, and they appear to have wings. But Rublev wasn't painting angels here. This is the portrayal of the Trinity, It's very famous in the world of uh, Christian art. And Rublev's icons are known for their portrayal of God and other people people from the Bible as peaceful and calm. Notice the heads of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are tilted. What do you think that's supposed to mean? Hmm? Okay, listening, that's good. It's in the eye of the beholder, right, when you look at art. But one interpretation that I've heard is that they're inviting you to sit with them and be in their company. There's even a bowl there with something to eat. Uh, That could even be a continuation of the bread or the communion theme a lot of these icons portray. You hear a lot about God in church and also of the three persons, but Does it feel strange to actually look at images of them, at three persons? Yeah? Interesting. I mean, some Christian churches have no icons, no imagery, no pictures in them whatsoever, not even a cross. When you worship at those churches, the intent is for you to strictly contemplate God in your mind. Some believe any man-made image of God is imperfect and could distort your perception of Him and cause you to worship the image rather than the God it illustrates. But I don't think there's any danger of that happening here. The Christian church has grappled with this mystery for centuries. And you and I spend a lot of our time in thought and prayer and devotion to our God who is a mystery in many ways even though we've been given what we need To know about him through his word. He doesn't seem to make any apologies about his incomprehensibleness, does he? No. We are simply invited to believe. Yet the Father commands our complete and utter devotion You shall have no other gods before me. The Son commands our obedience Follow me, he says. The Spirit, interesting, the Spirit doesn't really speak, doesn't command anything, but the Spirit creates faith in people, in you, in me, and guides. The Father threatens to punish those who fail to obey His commandments. Rings especially true on Father's Day, doesn't it? Trinity Sunday doesn't always land on Father's Day, but when it does, it's good to mention punishment. (laughs) Some children deserve more punishment from their fathers than others. Some are just incorrigible. It's a father's vocation to punish evil and reward good behavior in his children. That's what we've been given to do in this life when we choose to marry and have kids. As children of God the Father, we deserve punishment punishment, because none of us want to be corrected. We want to do what we want. We don't love God with all our heart and all our soul. We love food and drink, entertainment, the world, celebrities, sex and drugs, and rock and roll. You got it. All the other commandments become broken when we can't even obey that first one. Hopefully, your father on earth, if you knew him. Because I know there are a lot of deadbeat dads and fathers who cheat and skip and some die early. It's all because of sin and it's tragic. But if you have or had a father in your life, hopefully he did his job to a degree and was also compassionate and merciful like God the Father. God the Father threatens to punish all for sin. But more importantly, He loves, too, more so than he wishes to condemn. He sent his son to die on earth and rise again in order to step in and mediate between you and your heavenly dad. Before that great hand of dad comes down to zap you into oblivion for who you are and what you've done, Jesus steps in the middle and says, don't do it, dad. I took the punishment for her, him, you, me. And the father holds back his anger. He relents. His wrath is appeased. So don't be afraid of the father. Look, he invites you to dine with him and chat with him at the table. You and I could commit a thousand murders a day, but with a repentant heart and a plea for mercy, no sin can separate us from the Father. Jesus the Son didn't pay for sin with a meager sacrifice. He paid with His life. And besides that, we can't forget the third person, who is often forgotten, the Spirit, who changes our hearts to be more like the Son's. So while we are yet sinners, change happens. When you're baptized into the Spirit and continually hear His Word and receive his body and the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and your strength. So I'll leave you with this little meditation. One final little meditation on the Trinity by Luther. If the Trinity seems foolish, he says, what do I care? If criticism were in order, I'd be able to offer it pretty well. Better, in fact, than any Jew or Turk. But I thank my God who has given me the grace not to dispute the truth. Since I see that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is so distinctly contained in Scripture, I believe God more than my own thoughts and my own reason. And I don't worry how it can possibly be true that there is only one essence and yet three distinct persons. But he who does not want to believe, why, let him run. He will find out in due time what he will gain by his denial. Let all the people of this house therefore know for certain that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ who was crucified, and may you be kept in the spirit of truth. Amen.